Christmas is a time when we focus on Jesus as a baby. And I think this is one of the reasons why many people find Christmas to be so enchanting. Because babies are so cuddly and they're so cute. They're so approachable. And they are so dependent on their parents. This last Sunday after the church service, there were four moms who all have babies. And and someone had the great idea, hey, let's take some pictures of these moms with their babies. And, you know, it made a very sweet picture. And after this picture was taken, someone thought, hey, let's have the babies try to sit on their own. Just a a baby picture. And the sweetness quickly turned into crying because several of these babies could not yet sit on their own. So they face-planted right into the floor, and, and things got even funnier, and the crying got even louder just a moment after this picture was taken, because then the babies kind of started rolling onto each other, and, you know, any hope of a decent picture was suddenly lost. But as we look at the helplessness of little babies, how they are so dependent on their parents, that should cause us to reflect on the life of the baby Jesus, because it's so amazing, it's so mind-boggling that the creator of the universe would step off his heavenly throne and enter his creation. Especially they did it in such a humbling way. As a baby. Born in a small village. To an obscure teenage girl. I mean, it's just mind-boggling what actually took place some 2,000 years ago. About 700 years before Jesus was born, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah to tell of the coming of Christ. In Isaiah 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, when that great light that Isaiah prophesied about, when that great light came, it started as a small light, kind of like one of these candles. You know, Jesus came as a baby. And at first, very few people recognized his greatness because he came again as a small light whose light was just beginning to dawn. But the baby Jesus grew, and as he grew, his light shined brighter. And then when Jesus was a grown man, there was one time where he was standing before a large crowd in Jerusalem. He declared to the people there, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the timing in which Jesus made this declaration was during a festival in Jerusalem called the Feast of Tabernacles. This was a time where every year thousands of Jewish people would travel to Jerusalem to remember what God had done for their ancestors many centuries earlier. And to commemorate this, they would live for over a week in homemade tents called tabernacles to remember that time when their ancestors were wandering through the wilderness into the promised land. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would set up these four huge lamps in the Jewish temple. Each lamp was between 50 and 75 feet tall. Each lamp would have four large basins of oil, which would be burning. You think about the Olympic flame every four years, and the size of that Olympic flame, and you multiply that times a bunch, and you get a picture of what this would be like as they are celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And these huge lamps were to help remind the Israelites about how back when their ancestors were wandering through the wilderness into the Promised Land, God was leading them with a pillar of fire that would go out before them. 
So in this context, during this Feast of Tabernacles, that is when Jesus stood up before the crowds with these huge lamps blazing up in the sky. And he declared, I am the light of the world. Now, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, there are two different things that he's saying here. First of all, he's saying that the world is in darkness and it needs light. Now, I think we all know what it's like to try to navigate in the dark. It's difficult. It can be a bit dangerous at times. One of the things I do most mornings is I bicycle in our basement. And whenever I go downstairs to ride the bike, I do this before the rest of my family gets up. But I take a baby monitor that is connected with my daughter's room. And that way, if my daughter needs any sort of assistance, I am able to get off the bike and go up and help her out before she wakes up her brother. Now, last week, I was biking in the basement, and I heard my daughter calling through the baby monitor, and so I jumped off the bike, and I ran up the stairs, and I was running through the hallway, and suddenly my foot kicked something heavy and hard. And it took every ounce of effort that I had to avoid doing a belly flop right there in our, in our hallway. But let me show you a picture of what I saw that morning in the hallway. That is a real picture. It's not just a black box. That is a real picture of the hallway. You can't see much, can you? Because it's dark. Let me show you a picture of what it was like when the flash went off on the camera. The same, same location. You see, light helps. And if that hallway had been light that morning, I could have seen there were boxes sitting there on the floor, and I easily would have navigated around them. That's the benefit of light, and that's how precarious it is when you're going through the dark. And Jesus said, you know what, the world is in darkness. Yes, today, I mean, we have eyes we can see. We, we have the sun to light things. We, in today's world, unlike theirs, have light bulbs. Those are blessings. But Jesus is saying the world is in spiritual darkness because we have been cut off from God, who is the source of true life. So when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he was saying the world is in darkness. And he was also saying that he is God and he will lead people to life. So when Jesus was calling himself the light of the world, he was saying, you know what? Do you all remember back a long time ago when your ancestors were wandering through the wilderness and there was that pillar of fire out leading them? I was in that pillar of fire. I was the one leading your ancestors. And here I am now, God in the flesh, standing before you, prepared to lead you out of darkness and into the light of life. Now, as you can probably imagine, if you know the story at all or can just think about what it would be like for someone to stand up talking about these types of things, there was strong pushback. The Jewish leaders were furious with Jesus. And you know, your average person really doesn't appreciate to be told, hey, you're walking in darkness. You need to change your ways. Most people really don't appreciate that all that much. But we have to understand the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is not, hey, you guys are doing all right. Just keep it up. That's not the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is not, hey, just try to live with a little bit more love and a little bit more peace and everything will be good. That, that sells Hallmark cards. That is, that is not the message that Jesus came to earth to bring. Instead, the message of Christmas is that everything is not all right. And I think that if we look at the world around us, we can easily see this with our own eyes. The message of Christmas is that we are messed up and our world is messed up. We need a Savior and God provided a Savior through Jesus. That is the message 
that Jesus brought. We need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. That's why in Luke 2, when the angel appeared to the shepherds, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born. And when that baby grew up, he stood before the crowds in Jerusalem and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is the light of the world. And this is not meant to just to be an abstract idea. It's meant to transform our lives. And the Bible contains many different accounts of how Jesus is the light and the life in real people's lives. For instance, in John chapter 3, we meet a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very religious man. He seemed to have all his things together from a worldly perspective. But as Jesus encountered him, Jesus realized he is blinded by his focus on the religious traditions to the point where he's losing sight of God. And so over time, Jesus is able to open Nicodemus' eyes to how to have a true relationship with God. I think as well of John chapter 4, where we meet a woman who has come to a well to draw water, but it's the middle of the day, and she is coming alone. And this woman is thirsty. She is lonely. She is confused. And her personal life is a bit of a mess. Now, when Jesus begins to talk with her, she tries to put up a facade, just pretending, you know, everything's good. But Jesus can see right through it. He challenges her, and then he gives her a, a new hope, a new purpose, and a real relationship with God. You know what? This account of this woman at the well is actually pretty similar to what we experience in our lives or in our world today. Because we see many people all around us who are thirsty, who are searching for a sense of meaning and a sense of identity, but they can't find it. And Jesus, he wants to break through whatever facade we put up. He wants to meet us right where we are. He wants to give us a lasting sense of wholeness and joy and purpose in our lives. We see another account in John chapter 11 where we meet a pair of sisters who, who are in deep distress. They are reeling because their brother Lazarus has just died. Jesus comes to them. He weeps with them. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead. And, and I look at our world around us. And you know what? There's death going on all around us every single day. And when death strikes close to home, it's like a part of us dies as well. But when Jesus is part of the story, death does not have the final word because he gives victory over death. These are all just a few of many, many stories of how God works through Jesus to be the light that leads to life. And he's still doing the same thing today. Last weekend, uh, we had a funeral here at Freedens for a woman named Rita Salomon. She'd been involved in Freedens for a few years. And Jesus had transformed her life. Rita, when she was younger, had some very painful experiences that left her with a lot of anger, a lot of loneliness, a deep sense of shame. And, and when she was a teenager, her heart for God grew really cold because she saw God only as intolerant or as angry. And that was when she even believed that there was a God. She walked away from God and from church as a teenager, and she kept walking away for the next 45 years. 
But remember, Jesus is a light who shines his light into dark places. A few years ago, Rita was watching TV, and she was just flipping through the channels, about to turn it off, and she came across a pastor speaking on that TV. And let me read to you in Rita's own words what this pastor was talking about. She wrote, He explained that Jesus died on the cross to remove all sin from us so we'd be able to have a relationship with God. Now, Rita, she processed this for a while. She talked with some others. She got involved here at Freedom's Church. And she went on to say, quote, I came to the realization that my guardian angel, that's uh, the guardian angel is who she was attributing good things in her life to. She said, my guardian angel was not an angel, but Jesus Christ leading me to salvation. This new awareness caused me to look at what I'd attributed to my guardian angel with a clearer view. And I finally recognized the hand of Jesus steadying me and showing me the right path. This revelation changed my whole perspective on Christianity and opened my eyes to the fact that God is not vengeful or angry or just waiting for us to fail. God gave his only son to be put to death so people could be brought closer to God. Now, Rita wrote these words about nine months ago, and she went on to say, I have become more adept at recognizing and accepting Jesus Christ's help and guidance. I am less inclined to be judgmental of others as well as of myself, and I practice loving patience with myself and others. If I find myself becoming frustrated with someone, I stop and say a prayer to Jesus to give me strength. The anger, denial, and loneliness began to subside as my understanding of being a Christian deepened and solidified. I have discovered that there is no end in death, but a new beginning in eternity with God. Jesus, or death is a joyous experience as a coming home. And so Jesus, lie of the world, reached in to Rita's life and rescued her, redeemed her in such a beautiful way. And he wants to do the same thing for every one of us. We all have different backgrounds. Some of us are carrying a lot of baggage through our lives that weighs us down on a regular basis, whether it's the baggage of pain that we've sustained or shame or insecurities or anxieties that we carry through our lives. Others of us feel like we're doing really, really well, that we don't need any assistance. We don't need any help. You know, we all come from a variety of different backgrounds. Some, some feel really good, have a lot of confidence going through life. Others have a lot of uncertainties as they look ahead. Maybe sadness that they're carrying around. Wherever we are, Jesus wants to meet us right there. He wants to break through whatever facade we might have. He wants to challenge us. He wants to rescue us. He wants to heal us. And he wants to transform us. That is why Jesus came, not just to be celebrated on Christmas Day, but to be the light of our lives who guides us day in and day out. Now, back when I was younger, I remember that when December 26th came, I would always have this huge letdown because Christmas was over. But when we understand the reason for which Jesus really came to this world, not just to be celebrated in one day or here and there, but to be the light of our lives, we understand that the purpose of Christmas, the reason that Jesus came, extends beyond that time when all the gifts are unwrapped and all the family is gone and all the food is eaten. Yeah, those things are good. But the reason Jesus came is to be our light. Because remember, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
May all of us walk in Jesus' light because that is the reason that he came and that is the way that he designed us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you stepped off your heavenly throne. You came to this world. What an amazing reality that is. We say thank you. Because even though we, we can see with our physical eyes, even though we have physical light around us, even though we think we know our way, we look at the world around us and we see a lot of messiness. We look at our lives and see things that, that we cannot fix. And we see at times pain or sorrow or anxieties that we cannot resolve on our own. And Jesus, we thank you that you say your yoke is easy and your burden is light, that you will be a light who guides us. And we know that we live in a broken world that will still not be perfect, but we're thankful that you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. You will walk with us. Your grace is always sufficient for us, Lord. And we thank you that you do a redeeming and a transforming work. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you did 2,000 years ago. We thank you that you're still at work here now. I pray that you will work in each one of us to help us to experience the greatness of knowing you. And Lord, now as we bring back to you a portion of the resources you've entrusted to us, um, we pray that you will use these tithes and offerings to help more and more people around our community, around the world, through our missionaries here at the church to experience the greatness of knowing Jesus and the life that comes from following his light. And we pray these things in his name and for his glory. Amen.